If you have your Bible with you this morning, and I, I hope that you do, I'd like for you to turn to the book of Galatians with me as we continue in this series of expositions from the book of Galatians. I do encourage you to bring a Bible when you come to church. It's so important, I think, and it's important for several reasons. One of the things that I want to promote as a pastor is the healthy and consistent study of the Word of God. And someone else cannot do that for you. You have to do it for yourself. Now, there are others within the church and even some, if you find the right sources, outside of the church that can help you to do this, to study the Bible consistently and regularly. However, when you come to church, there's a second reason that I like for you to have your Bible. And that is, I want you to see what I see, and I want you to come to the same conclusions that I do if my conclusions are biblically sound. So you need to be able to follow along, and what this will do is it will help you in the process, in not only in what I say as I unpack these verses today, but what you are reading there and the way that I do it should help promote and help encourage Bible study. In other words, I try to preach in a way that if you follow along in your Bible, it will help you to engage your mind into the text, and hopefully it will help you to understand how I came to the conclusions and how I study the Bible, and hopefully that will help you. So we're going to begin reading at the Probably at the beginning, I want to read at the start, even though chapter 1, verse 1, even though our text for this morning is going to begin in verse 10, because that's where we left off. The reason I want to read it from the beginning is because I think you get a feel for this if you read it all. So he says, Paul, an apostle, not from men, nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers who are with me. To the churches of Galatia. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age. According to the will of our God and Father. To whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ. And are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one. But there are some who trouble you. And want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel. Contrary to the one we preach to you. Let him be accursed. As we have said before. So now I say again. If anyone is preaching to you. A gospel contrary to the one you received. Let him be accursed. And here's where we pick it up this morning. For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? (laughs) Or am I trying to please man? If I were trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. But I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people, 
So extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my fathers. But when he who had set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles. Let's stop right there and pray. Our merciful and gracious almighty God, we bow this morning to thank you for your word. To thank you for your spirit who is our teacher. And we pray this morning now that you would lift the words from the pages as it were into our hearts, into our minds and forever stamp them there. God help us to understand these beautiful words. Help us to understand and be edified, built up, encouraged, corrected and changed by your powerful Holy Spirit working in concert with your Holy Word. Oh God, we pray that if there's one here today that is lost, came into this room looking into Christianity. Oh God, we pray today you would stir their hearts. You would call them, draw them, that they would turn away from sin and trust in Jesus Christ alone for the forgiveness of their sin, to be brought into a right and eternal relationship with you. Oh God, we pray. Build up your church. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now this morning, we are going to begin in this verse 10 with the exposition, even though we'll probably back up and grab a couple things from just before. But we need to understand that what we're getting ready to dive into throughout the remainder of chapter 1 and throughout chapter 2 as well is Paul giving a defense of his apostolic authority. I told you, as a matter of fact, in earlier sermons, as we began this series through the book of Galatians, that this is part of the outline of the book. Essentially, you have in chapters 1 and 2 a defense of Paul's apostolic authority. In chapters 3 and 4, you have really the details of the true gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. In chapters 5 and 6, you have this How do you live the Christian life if you don't live it according to our performance in the law? If we're not, if we're not looking to the law to, to walk up the rungs of the ladder, so to speak, into a right relationship with God, if we're not looking to the law as a means by which we stay in a right relationship with God, then how do we live the Christian life? That's what he answers at the end of the book. So he goes again from this defense into the truth of the gospel and justification by faith alone, in Christ alone, by the grace of God alone, to the glory of God alone. He goes into that in that middle part of the book. And then at the end, he says, okay, now how do we live this out in light of this reality, in light of this truth? So as we begin here, I want us to think about, and I put a title to this message here, Paul, an apostle not by man. Paul An apostle not by man. And you'll see why here in just a moment. Because as we begin to look at these verses together, especially in verse 10, I want you to notice, and this is my outline. Number one, we're going to think about not seeking human approval. Not seeking human approval. Secondly, not a human message. Not a human message. And thirdly, divine revelation. Divine revelation. So that's the categories or the just some headings, and I'll mention them again if you didn't get them all just then. Number one, then, not seeking human approval. If you look in verse 10, it's striking to me that three times in verse 10, he mentions that he's not seeking human approval. He says, am I now seeking the approval of man? 
Am I seeking the approval of man? That's the first thing. Or of God. Or am I trying to please man? There he mentions it again. Am I trying to have the approval of man? Am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to, there it is again, please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. He says it didn't come from man and I didn't receive it. It's not man's gospel and I'm not seeking the approval of human beings. So the first thing that Paul does is he is appealing now to his apostolic authority and he is making a case that he has this authority among the churches that he is writing to. If you recall from the previous messages or maybe in your own study, the Apostle Paul on his first missionary journey went through this area, this region called the region of Galatia. And there he established at least four churches that we learn about in the book of Acts. And he establishes these churches on that first missionary journey. And he goes away evidently and in the process of him being gone over the span of time, these troublemakers, as we learned from last week, as it says in verse 7, not that there is another gospel, but there are some who trouble you. These Judaizers who were coming around after Paul had left and were troubling the churches. They were agitating the people of God by teaching false Doctrine. They were teaching a false gospel. That false gospel is summarized with the word law that we're going to get into later on in this series. You know, one of the things that I do is I always print out the Bible that I'm going to preach from. I print it out so that I can mark it up. And I take highlighters and I highlight different words that I see and draw lines and circles and make notations all over it. And one of the things that you're going to see with me is that when we get on into this book, the problem of the false teachers was that they were trying to impose the law that God had given to the people of Israel. They were trying to impose that upon the Gentile churches. They were trying to impose that upon these Gentile Christians and telling them that they could not be saved and justified in the sight of God, nor could they maintain a right relationship with God if they were not following the law that God gave to Israel. And that's why he picks up his pen to write, as we learned in verse 6. I'm astonished. That you're so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and turning to this different gospel that is not really a good news at all. And so he begins to defend himself and his right to speak for God authoritatively among these churches in verse 10. Now really verse 10 appeals back to verses 1 and 2. So if you look back there. You'll notice that he began this in the opening verses of the letter. He says, Paul, an apostle, and then he has this sort of in parenthesis, what does it say? Not from who? Not from men, nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father. So even as we mentioned in those opening sermons, the essence of what Paul is going to write about is in the first five verses. He says to them in the opening statement, Paul, I am an apostle, one sent authoritatively from God, the Lord Jesus Christ, not from men nor through man. And the reason that he says it that way in the opening sentence of the letter is because he is going to have to defend himself, beginning in verse 10, all the way through chapter 2, 
before these churches that he had been instrumental in establishing. Now, why did he have to do this? Because these Judaizers had come behind him and had criticized him. They had put him down. They had criticized the man and they had criticized the message. They said, oh, you don't have to listen to the Apostle Paul. We're, we, we are from Jerusalem, they probably said. And we are the original people of God. You know, God chose Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Jacob had the 12 sons, became the nation of Israel. And we are from the covenant people of God. And we're coming to tell you today that your faith alone in Christ alone is not going to cut it. They were discrediting the very essence and the very nature of the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. They were criticizing the Apostle Paul and his message. And Paul says that I am an apostle not from men nor through man. And in verse 10 he says, I'm not seeking human approval. (laughs) Now listen, there's a very practical lesson here in, in this point. Every one of you in this room are influenced by what other people think about you. Don't say that you're not. Now, to the degree that you're driven by what other people think about you, well, that can vary across the room. But one of the things that is a mark of maturity in Christ is that true Christians filled with the Holy Spirit are not seeking the approval of human beings. We're not seeking as Christians to have the world to approve us. We're not seeking to win a popularity contest. And we have to be very careful with this, don't we? Because it shapes the way we interact with people. It it shapes what we say to them. It shapes what we don't say to them. It shapes a lot of times the way we act around other people. A lot of times, many people, and I've been there and done that, I have been influenced by the people that I've been around at the time. So that I might have changed my tune as to what I was maybe around a different group of people. We have thousands of people that are sitting in church pews every Sunday morning that are one way on Sunday morning and a totally different way the rest of the week. The Apostle Paul says, I'm not that kind of guy. So the way that he begins to defend himself is to point out to these folks, and it's very logical as we're going to see in just a moment. It's a very logical argument. He's going to say, listen, I am not seeking the approval of human beings. Because if I were, (laughs) I definitely wouldn't be preaching to you what I'm preaching. And that's what we're going to see. That's the first part of his argument. Not seeking human approval. Think about what he had just said previously in 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 the previous verses that we read together this morning. He had just pronounced those anathemas. You remember that word, that Greek word, anathema? Let him be accursed, eternally condemned, devoted to destruction. Remember last week? Let these people that are preaching this false gospel, that's no good news at all, let them be accursed. If it, He says, if it is me or an, an angel from heaven, or if it is anyone, in verse 9, that preaches a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. Now listen, folks, you don't get, you don't win popularity contests by talking that way. Now do you? I mean, if you want to be popular, even today, if you want to be popular today, you want to be well-liked today, then especially in the church and among preachers, well, you just can't say anything bad about anybody. You, you just can't point out anything that's wrong, and you got to just always try to make people feel good about themselves. 
That's how you, that's how you get the biggest churches. But that's not how you remain biblically faithful. The apostle Paul says, if somebody comes and they preach you a gospel, and they call it the gospel, the good news, and it's something different than what you received. When I was there and preached the gospel, do you remember? We looked over in the book of Galatians. We'll get there again. But he says, he says, when I came and preached Jesus Christ and him crucified and told you that the way to have a right relationship with God was not through obeying the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ alone. He said the, the power of the spirit was so evident upon you that if I would have asked you to gouge out your eyes, he said, you would have done it. He said, that was the message. That one that you received, if somebody comes and preaches another one contrary to that one, you let him be eternally devoted to destruction. He don't win popularity contests like that. <laughs> but it is the way that you remain biblically faithful. So he says these anathemas in verses 8 and 9 on all of those that are preaching a false gospel. He says, if you'll just hold your place and turn over to chapter 5 and verse 11, he says this, chapter 5 and verse 11. He says in chapter 5, verse 11, but if I, brother, still preach circumcision, which this is kind of a catch word for the law, right? Observance of the law. If I still preach circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been removed. Paul says, I am not seeking human approval in chapter 1, verse 10, because what he has to preach is not from human beings. He says he's being persecuted for what he is preaching. If he were seeking to please people with his life and his ministry, then he would not be a servant of Christ. He says at the end of that verse 10, chapter 1, verse 10, he says, if I were still... Is still trying to please man. And notice that he says still trying to please man. What do you think that means? Still trying to do it. It means at one time he was trying to do it, right? He was trying to do it. And we'll see that in just a moment as well. He says, I'm not still trying to please man. If I would, I would not be a servant of who? Of Christ. Listen to me very carefully. You cannot be a people pleaser and a God pleaser at the same time. You're going to have to make a determination that by the help and the grace of God and the power of the indwelling Holy Spirit of God, that you're going to seek to live your life and orient your life to honor God, to please God, to glorify Him. Or you're going to seek to be approved and applauded and liked by other people. One or the other. Jesus said in one place, I came not to bring peace, but a sword. Why would he say such a thing? Not because he wants us to be offensive in our personality. <laughs> you know, sometimes I think that's my biggest, uh, the biggest problem that I have is me. You know, a lot of times people will hear me and they'll say, you know, and they'll like me at first. And I'm thinking, yeah, just give me some time. I'm sure I'll mess that up. My personality will mess it up, I'm sure. Because, but that's not, that's not a good thing. That's not what we really want. But sometimes that's what happens. But listen, the gospel and the truth from God always divides. So if you spend all of your time trying to put out all the fires of division over the truth, you're wasting your time and you're living a life contrary to the Christian life painted in the scriptures. Now, you're not going out and trying to start all of this controversy or whatnot, but you're going to be biblically faithful. You're going to honor God and what thus says the word of the Lord. And if you do... You won't be seeking for human approval 
at all. If you're going to be a servant of Christ, he says servant, that word servant is the word bond servant. It is a willing servant, someone that is just has released their life to God. I am your servant fully and completely. You're God's and you are his servant. You belong to him and you are like in the Old Testament. If, if a servant was set free among the Israelites, they could they could say, OK, I really like it with you. I love you and I want to stay here with you and I want to be your servant for the rest of my life. And so they would take a dow and, and, and uh, put his ear up against the wall and smack that dow through his ear and he would be. The servant for the rest of his life. That's what Paul says I am to Christ. I'm a bond servant. I'm a bond servant. And you can't be the servant of Christ and be seeking for human approval. This is what he says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. If you want to turn, you can. 1 Thessalonians 2, 1 to 4. Listen to what he says. As you're writing there to this different another church. He says, For you yourselves know, brothers, that our coming to you was not in vain. But... Though we had already suffered and been shamefully treated at Philippi, as you know, we had boldness in our God to declare to you the gospel of God in the midst of much affliction. And I'll just stop right there. I want to pick it back up. But but just stop right there and think about it. He's not seeking to have human approval because everywhere he goes, the only thing that he's finding is persecution. And the only way to make it stop is to stop preaching the message. <laughs> so when Paul says, listen, you ha- you are to listen to me as one who has been invested by God himself. We're going to see here in a moment with authoritative doctrine to establish the doctrine of the churches, to establish the true gospel. He says, you're to listen to me. And one of the reasons that they're to listen to him is because he's saying, listen, I am not seeking the approval of human beings. He goes on in that 1 Thessalonians 2 verse 3 and says, For our appeal does not spring from error or impurity or any attempt to deceive, but just as we have been approved by God. That's what he's looking for. Approval by God to be entrusted with the gospel so we speak, listen, not to please man, but to please God who tests our hearts. As I'm standing here this morning, there's a temptation to the human nature to say things and to do things that would be more appealing to human ears and would bring me more praise from you. And God tests and knows my heart and your heart, my friends, as to whether we're living a life and preaching the message of the Word of God, biblically faithful and God-honoring in a way that's pleasing to Him or in a way that is seeking approval from human beings. He writes in the book of Ephesians, chapter 6 and verse 6. And he says, Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 6. Not by the way of eye service. He's talking about these servants of the household back in this day. And he says that they're to do their service this way. Now, by the way, this is kind of like a catch-all phrase. Because... The Apostle Paul is essentially saying to these, I mean, you can't get any more menial. You can't get any more common everyday life than the servants of a household. And listen to how he says to do it. Not by the way of eye service (laughs) as people pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ doing the will of God from the heart. Eye service. You know what that is? I saw this little video. It's so funny. I don't know why it is. You'll... I'm weird, but uh, it, it's so funny. It's this cat, and it says, 
when the boss walks in. So this cat's all laid back, you know, and there's this little wheelbarrow right there. <laughs> you saw it. Somebody saw it. And uh, so there's a little wheelbarrow. And so the cat gets up like this. And the way it walks over, it looks like it picks up the wheelbarrow and takes it off and goes to work. And that's the way eye service is. It's whenever you're being seen. Whenever you're being watched, you turn on the look and you got the th- stuff going your way. The boss walks in, you pick up the shovel. I used to have a guy that he worked with, that, that I used to work with. He's retired now. But every time the boss would come, if you had a shovel and a rake, he'd reach over and get yours. And I got to where I got a pretty daggone good grip on it. So if he grabbed a hold of mine, I'd say, no, you get your own, man. I'm working here. And so he was doing what he was doing from this Eye service, trying to please people. It wasn't what he was in his heart. See what I mean? It's the same way that these people are instructed here to serve their masters. Not in a way of eye service, but as a people pleaser, but as a bond servant of Christ from the heart. From the heart. Now, this is nothing new because Jesus himself taught that this is the way that we are to live. And as a matter of fact, he does it in a very, very striking way. The way Jesus does this is he essentially says that if you are seeking the approval of man, you can never come to faith in Christ. This is what he says. In the book of John, in the book of John chapter 5, beginning in verse 39. John chapter 5, beginning in verse 39. You can just jot that down if you don't want to turn. Listen to what he says to them. He's talking to the Pharisees. He's talking to the religious leaders. He says, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is they that bear witness about me. Yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. I do not receive glory from people. Again, Jesus himself modeled this for us. He did not seek the approval of man. And by the way, let me ask you a question. Did he get it? No, he didn't get it. He was crucified. That's the approval that he got from the people. He didn't seek approval from man. He says, I don't receive glory from people, verse 41. But I know that you do not have the love of God within you. How do you know that, Jesus? I have come in my Father's name, and you do not receive me. If another comes in his own name, you will receive him. Why? Because people pleasing people like people pleasing people. Does that make sense? So... How do I know that? I'm not done yet. He says, I come in my own name, in my father's name. You won't receive me. If somebody comes in his own name, you will receive him. How can you believe? Listen, how can you believe when you receive glory? You can put that word approval or praise. When you receive glory from one another and do not seek the glory that comes from the only God. You can't. You can't have it both ways. Because the reason, we, a lot of times I'm convinced of this, and I just, this really just came to me in freshness more recently than it has in a long time. Listen, that one of the real reasons that we're not evangelizing and telling people about Jesus is because we actually like to be liked more than we want to spread the truth. Because we know if we stand up and we say, hey, do you know Jesus? You know, ever how you go about trying to say it to somebody, you know, do you go to church anywhere? You got to be kind of uh, spiritual beliefs or whatever conversation you want to get into, how you want to get into it. The reason oftentimes that we don't do that is because we know that it'll change the dynamic in that relationship between us and that person forever. And so we hold back. All right. The first one was. 
not seeking human approval. The second part of his argument is that his message is not a human message. His message is not a human message, verses 11 and 12. So we'll go back to Galatians. Galatians chapter 1, verse 11, he says, For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. So in the first part of his argument, he's saying, listen, I am not seeking in my ministry to have human approval. Look at what I'm suffering, he says in chapter 5, verse 11. The offense of the cross is always upon me. I'm always from town to town being persecuted everywhere I go. Praise God for those that believe. But there's always those that are not believing and they're persecuting me. I could go back and read to you and we could turn over to the book of 1 Corinthians and, 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 and throughout the letters of the apostle Paul where he talks about the kinds of conflict and the kinds of things that he struggled with and the kinds of things that he suffered for his ministry and for his message. He was suffering. Let's see if I can find it here. Second Corinthians chapter 11, he says in verse 23, Second Corinthians eleven twenty-three. He says, are they servants of Christ? I'm a better one. I'm talking like a madman with far greater laborers. So I, I'm, I'm working myself far greater than anybody else. Far more imprisonments. Oh, that's what we want. Far more imprisonments with countless beatings and often near death. Five times I received at the hands of the Jews. <laughs> these wonderful guys. The Jews, the 40 lashes last one, 39. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. He wasn't token. He was stoned. They were throwing stones at him to kill him. And they drug him out of the city and thought he was dead. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea. On frequent journeys, in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from the Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, and toil and hardship through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure, and apart from other things, there is the daily pressure on me of the anxiety for all the churches. That's what he got. For preaching the message that he was preaching. He wasn't seeking human approval. He wasn't doing this for that reason. All the more reason to believe what he's saying. Secondly, he didn't receive it from any human being. He received it from God. He says, I received this not from man. It's not man's gospel. I wasn't taught it. This is exactly how the Judaizers got their message. They didn't get it from direct revelation. They were taught it through repetition. Over and over again, the rabbis would teach them. They would teach them. Over and over again through the use of repetition, they handed down the teaching from one generation to the next. Paul said, that's not the way I got my message. I didn't receive it from a man. I wasn't taught it. Those who were coming around and teaching and trying to Judaize, as it were, these Gentile Christians, that's exactly the way that they got their message. They were taught it from man. They were taught all of their lives repeatedly from the rabbis, the traditions of the Jewish religion. It was handed down over and over and over and over again throughout the years. But Paul's message did not come from people. Verse 12, it came from God. It came from God. Paul says, this message that I proclaim to you is of utmost importance. It's a life or death situation. It's a message that you will either believe and and receive eternal life 
or you will reject and be eternally condemned in the sight of a holy God. It is the difference between heaven and hell. It is the difference between eternal life and eternal damnation. It is the difference between life and death. And he says, I did not receive this from any human being. He says, I received this directly from God. And I'm not seeking the approval of human beings. If I were, the offense of the cross would be lifted from me. And all of this trouble that I'm going through would be over. If I wanted to just be popular, I would just change my message. But you don't change the message if you receive it the way he did. And that's the same way. Listen, this is the same way that you and I have to live each and every day as Christians. We don't have any authority to change the message at all. We are just we are just ambassadors that are to herald, thus says the word of the Lord. What it says in the book, that's what we that's what we say. And if we want to be popular, then we're going to cease to be pleasing to God. So I just asked you, what is the what is the response that you need to make this morning on the basis of what God's word says? Some of you today may need to turn away from sin, as it were, for the first time in your life. I've had it. I'm done. I'm so tired. I'm turning from that and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ alone. What Paul said is the seed of the gospel that will be fleshed out in chapters 3 and 4. He says, not from men nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. Grace to you and peace from God our Father, the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from this present evil age. And to set us free. To set us free. And some of us today need to repent. We need to pray as we sing this song and, and pray together. At the close, we need to just ask God to forgive us. Where we have compromised in life, where we've compromised in doctrine, where we've compromised in what we say and what we don't say, simply because we want to be liked. And we need to live lives of love. That's true. We need to live lives of love. But love doesn't let the child drink the poison. Love says, no, honey, you don't want that. Let me get you something that's going to be a lot better for you. And there's a lot of people that's drinking deadly poison into their minds into their hearts every day. And some of them are drinking it right out of churches. And there has to be someone who's loving enough to say, hey, don't drink the poison. Let me point you to something that's better for you, that's good for you, that's a life-giving. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this time in your word. Lord, we just trust that you're working in hearts this morning. We trust you're working in lives even as we pray together. God, we do want to ask you to forgive us where we have failed to be faithful. We want to ask you to forgive us, O Lord, and restore us to a place of sweeter fellowship and a place of powerful, passionate service for your glory and for your honor, for the promotion of the gospel to the nations of the world. Lord, right where we live, right where we are, help us, God, we pray. Father, if there's one here today that needs to turn away and trust in Christ. We're praying for them. We're we're cheering for them. We're asking you, God, in this room this morning to call people to yourself, to draw them. Let them hear the sweetness of your voice calling them to come and believe and trust in you alone. Lean upon you. 
to have a right relationship with their creator, God. And we pray this in Jesus' name and amen.